Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, yankeetreeservice.com. What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming. Experts based right in Lincoln. Tree removal since 2006 and also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree Service today, 439-6028. 439-6028. Whether it's tree removal, stump grinding, tree pruning, emergency service, bucket truck at service, and bobcat service. Since 2006, they've been performing tree removal service on top of that. Nothing stumps. Yankee Tree Service, they provide stump grinding. Enjoy your landscape without the eyesore. As far as pruning, well, let them get up there. Oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down. At Yankee Tree Service, their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439 6028 439 6028 if they have to they get right up there in the bucket yankee tree service since 2006 tree trimming experts give them a call 439 6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com folks you're listening to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at our website dipetro.com it's thursday it's August 11th. We have our uh, legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd, coming up. Give us the latest on the Trump investigation. Uh, something that has certainly sent shockwaves a little bit through Trump world. Uh, is this business that there could be uh, speculation about an aide who flipped and maybe even someone possibly wearing a wire? Someone around President Trump who was wearing a wire? As the Drudge Report says, Hell Week, Informer revealed what Trump docs, meaning documents, were hidden and where. But possibly they may have had someone wearing a wire. Who's wearing a wire? As the investigation heats up, the former president are pointing fingers and looking for rats. I'm not sure where that's going to go. I'm going to repeat what I've been telling a lot of people, which is there's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of speculation on both sides. We have people saying that planted FBI is planting evidence. I don't believe that. Folks, the whole thing was filmed on both sides. Uh, Mar-a-Lago obviously has security cameras, but the FBI was filming the raid as they were doing it. Department of Justice. Um, so there, there were people, you have to realize there are people that are just running rampant with speculation but i i want to circle back come closer to home <clears throat> so today is thursday august 11th and looking at the calendar early voting starts on the 24th and the primary is not till september 13th but what you're seeing is things are already really starting to spark up because the deadline is closing and so many votes are going to be cast early so it's going to kind of really keep the campaign in many ways um, fluid into in a, in a way that it's been different in the past because it's not like there's just the big buildup till election day. So it's going to be running. So let, let's look at what's happening. Um, <clears throat> first of all, in, in Congressional District 2, as Dan McGowan said, unless something dramatic happens, it's Seth Magaziner is, is just finishing strong and he's really not being seemingly challenged a lot and he seemingly is unless again something dramatic would have to happen um we're starting to see you know people run for different reasons sarah morgenthal wasn't living here didn't fully know the lay of the land and by the time she's getting up to speed as much as she's been running aggressively it's her unknown what she didn't know was was pretty substantial so um just to cover that david siegel seems to be running according to dan mcgowan i think that was good a strategy really just for try to capture as much as the providence vote got some high profile endorsements jane fonda elizabeth warren but magaziner who now is saying he's renting a home in the second district um all he has to do is just continue to do what he's been doing and then he he finishes um on top and then 
Dan McGowan also is reporting that a pack that supports Seth Magaziner is about to unload and unleash all negative ads going after former Prince Mayor Alan Fung. So we'll see how that handles. That would be interesting. They start to unleash on that before he's even won the primary, setting up for the general election. <clears throat> but the race for governor, yesterday, finally, uh, the folks campaign started pushing back at some of the things coming out with um, with Governor McKee. And some, some things about the governor's race, and I just want to mention the different candidates. Nellie Gobey is on her path. As I've said, she's got the voting list. They're doing a lot of, uh, they're going to be doing a lot of collecting of ballots. <clears throat> she has continually said that she is the front runner. And so they're continuing down that path. Governor McKee is making every promise available in order to try to get endorsements. Now, all those bills are going to come due if he's successful. And right now, it's like a wish list. He is Santa Claus. He's a Santa Claus as long as he gets to, you know, get in the sleigh on Christmas Eve. Otherwise, all of these people making deals with Governor McKee, they're going to be, you know, blank out of luck because they're all jumping on board. Now, the the person that the, the campaign that everyone's been watching and waiting for it to really start to come into life and it's just kind of been plodding along, really has been this former head of CBS, Helena Folks, who has unleashed, uh, spent a huge amount of money on television. I'm not sure how much that's forced her. But finally starting to punch back a little bit at Governor McKee, who really has been given a free ride. There's been no real negative ads about him. And I think we, we could be reaching the point that when the negative ads start, they're going to start to really start to see some movement and then he's going to start to adjust. So we seem like we're right on the cusp of the campaign starting to, you know, really start to take off. So yesterday there was a little back and forth between the folks campaign and the McKee campaign. And so it still remains, the race for governor remains Governor McKee, Nellie Gorbea. And now the whole question is whether or not Helena folks can kind of flip the light on and really start to get some movement in the race and going in in her direction as far as lieutenant governor as we've talked about that sabina matos she is suddenly i'm not debating she she wasn't elected lieutenant governor it's it's really disgraceful uh we know why the mckee people really control that um control that race control her i should say and so now it's going to be up to her opponents to try but uh, you know Lieutenant Governor Matos, again, they're just going to go underground, uh, I, suddenly deciding, that's it, I did one debate, I'm not doing any more, and that's going to be the end of it. Uh, even though, yeah, of course, she, she should be out there making the case. But I am glad to see that the folks people are starting to go after Governor McKee. And I like the fact he said, you know, why is it that regular Rhode Island, unless you have children, you don't get a tax cut? I'll tell you, folks, Governor McKee, this, we are reaching the point of no return where I, I am all the deals. he. I don't know if we can afford to have him. <clears throat> I don't know if we can afford to have him as as governor over the next four years, because then all of those checks that he's writing, all those promises are going to, you know, the bill's going to come due. And so then they'd have to be carried out. Now, in the general treasurer's race, normally people are not paying attention but that James Diosa, the guy, he is not qualified to be treasurer. He should not be treasurer. There's a lot of speculation and talk out today that all these trips he took on, I want to remind people, those are free trips. Always be cautious of people that go on all these free trips. And uh, so many people in office, it's the ultimate. If it's free, it's for me. They um, they take the, the trips that you don't have to take every trip that is offered to you. But, of course, he was, you know, he used Mayor Central Falls, which is one mile long, used that in, in essence to just take free trips all over the globe. And that's time that he's not there. I mean, the whole element that Central Falls even has a mayor is is ridiculous. But that is, in fact the case i'm also just seeing that uh captain stephen jen has been charged one count he's going to be arraigned this afternoon uh in district court so um you know that i, I don't know what's going to happen with that but boy they they are strong as um tim dodd will touch on very very strong going down to some of the other races now again right now remember it's primary time so <clears throat> you have all the 
the state races primaries. Um, there's a lot going on. There's that bizarre story on a North Providence Lincoln with uh, DeCoyan and the former head of the renowned state police. He and his wife are making accusations that he's a bully and uh, would follow her around. I'm not, I know the party's involved. I'm not sure what to make of that story, but that is starting to play itself out. But the good news for the voters is it's finally starting to come out. Folks, it's funny. Governor, um, President Biden is totally just underground. They've decided, you know what? He's, he seems to be doing better in the polls when he's not out there uh, fumbling his words and making mistakes. And so the new strategy is just, you know, what, what, what got him there? What got him there was basically just hiding in the basement. And now on the campaign trail, now they're going to try to do that with him as the, the president of the United States. Because every time he goes out, he makes mistakes and they have to clean up and it just keeps highlighting. So I think they've, they've gone into, they were also taking a real back seat and letting this be the week of Trump, as uh, Drudge Report says, week of hell. So there's, I, I'm going to wait. I'm going to hold off. There's still a lot we don't know. And some of these people that are coming out here and making some of these accusations, it's, but it's the same crowd that will never admit that they were wrong. So I, I'm I'm still going to come back to they showed some information to a judge in order to, you know, a get to where they got to. Um, I'm I'm waiting to see. No, I don't believe that we have a Mark Furman situation. Those allegations that someone was planting evidence. I don't believe any of that stuff. I just don't. <clears throat> I know too many people in uh, U.S. Attorney's Office and FBI. They're they're smart people. They're good people. They follow the letter of the law. They're not involved with something like this there's a lot of yelling right now let's wait and see how it goes out all right attorney tim dodd is with us folks it's thursday it's the john DePietro show the next time you have an emergency head straight to atmed urgent care two locations 1524 atwood avenue suite 122 in johnston or east greenwich 5750 post road atmed urgent care urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families, specializing in ambulatory medicine, diagnostic treatment service, AtMed Urgent Care. They provide immunization, school, sports physicals. They're a cost-efficient health care alternative to hospital-based emergencies. They're open seven days a week, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from COVID, you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.net. Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2 p.m. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. It's time for our legal segment, not a moment too soon. Joining us right now in Rhode Island's top legal minds. He is our legal expert, is an attorney, Tim Dodd. And Tim, there's a lot of different ways to approach uh, what happened in Mar-a-Lago. If you don't mind, I'd like to just, now again, we there is still a lot we don't know. Some speculation, some facts. Um, I, I'd be curious, and I think it's important for people to know from from what your knowledge and experience, what, like, the days leading up to this, how FBI obtains that type of search warrant, who's involved with it, and then, you know, we know they, they arrived there Monday. They were there all day. Uh, President Trump was in New York at the time. But just so people understand, this was something in the making yes this was certainly something in the making they this didn't go off half cocked this was like a military exercise they had what 30 fbi representatives there with riot gear with submachine guns all to go into you know this estate to look for ostensibly look for records um Curious thing number one is that this starts um, out of the FBI office and the Justice Department um, office in D.C. So I guess the argument is it starts in D.C. because the records, if if there are records that were improperly taken by President Trump and moved to Florida, 
and that those records are somehow violative of um, national security um, dictates, then D.C. would say he took our documents that should be stored in D.C., so we've got jurisdiction. I guess the countervailing argument would be that it should have all been instituted out of um, Florida in the Palm Beach area where um, Mar-a-Lago is located. Um, that it starts in D.C. certainly gives it a negative taint because that's where all the FISA court abuses started. That's where James Comey and um, Struck or Struck, however he says his name, and all of those people conspired to have an insurance policy should uh, Donald Trump win the presidency in 2016. It's the same uh, Department of Justice out of D.C., that found that Hillary Clinton hadn't committed any crime when she did all of her shenanigans, destroying emails, having an illegal server in her home in Chappaqua. We could go on and on about that part of it. But eventually, someone has to prepare an affidavit to put in right. front of some federal judge. Now, we don't know what was in the affidavit. We don't know the basis of it. We don't know what the affidavit said. It would typically say... We have informants, we have insiders, we have somebody um, who has told us that the following documents are likely to be found at Mar-a-Lago in the Trump private residence. Those documents include bing, 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 and bing. Okay. Now, if that's what's in that warrant, and the warrant is specific, we're assuming, specific as to documents that President Trump might have improperly taken to Mar-a-Lago, that's what the limitation would be. It sounds like what actually occurred was that this grabbed boxes, they didn't look in the boxes, they rifled through everything, they grabbed everything that wasn't nailed down, and they left with it. Now, if they're, the pretext is looking for documents that Trump might have improperly held on to, and by the way, there was a negotiation between the Trump camp and the archivists as to what should be turned over and what shouldn't. But sure. if it's a pretext to get in there looking for January 6th documentation or other incriminating documentation, um, there's going to be significant legal fallout because that would be seen as a completely abusive situation. Right. The, the appropriate... Unless the affidavit says, we know that a crime is being committed, and this is what we expect to find, which is criminal in nature, the, the alternate way to go at this would have been to file um, civil action and subpoena the documents. So a subpoena saying, we want you to produce the following stuff, which we say you're withholding. You say you're not because it's yours and it's not national security material. We want to subpoena it. Now, Trump's team could challenge the subpoena, but that would be the appropriate way to take care of this unless there was some um, good faith basis in the affidavit that President Trump and his team were going to burn information, flush it down the toilet. We've been hearing the specter that Trump likes to rip up documents and flush it down the toilet um, I don't know if there's any substance to that or if that's just akin to, um, you know, a Russia um, false statement to cast Donald Trump in a bad light. But the whole thing is very fishy, John. What they're looking for, why they went about it in this way that's never been done before, it certainly gives off the um, impression that this is a desperate um, Department of Justice, fearful of Donald Trump, and doing whatever they can by whatever means necessary um, to jam him up and make it more difficult for him to run for president. There's no other, based on what we don't know, and really we don't know anything. We don't know what's in the affidavit. We don't know what's in the warrant. We don't know what the uh, judge approved them to look, go look for. We don't know what the material is that was removed. So not knowing any of those things is wonderful grist for the, for the um, 
talking pundits of the world, you know, on television to say Trump's in trouble or this is a desperate um, um, stab at getting something on Trump by improper means because the deep state has to stop Trump by whatever means they can. All right. All right. Let's reel this back in. <laughs> Tim Dodd, let, let's, how far high up do you think this went? This is not, I, I mean, come on. They, they, this is, uh, so they showed some judge they have something. I want to get to the specifics of he was not there. Now, when they go up to the door and they execute this search warrant, the information that could answer a lot of these questions, is it fair to say that it's in the warrant? And if, if we if that was made public, we would know much more than we know right now. Yes, you would know much more okay. than you know right now. Could and Team Trump reveal that warrant if they wanted to? Again, we don't really know the, the truth yet. We hear a lot of innuendo, rumor, and reporting. Yeah. But the report as of right now is that the FBI showed the Trump people the uh, warrant, but yeah. they did not leave a copy of the warrant. They oh, said, here, right. you okay. can read this, but we're taking yeah. it back. So huh. now talking heads out there are saying, well, it's up to Trump to show this to the world. My understanding is that Trump doesn't have it. The Trump okay. people don't have it. Now, do I think this was done without Merrick Garland's approval? Of course not. He had to be on the play. This is something that's never been done in our history. Yep. Um, th the reason for it seems pretty flimsy based on what we know today. Um, I don't believe the reporting or the statements uh, by uh, President Biden's press secretary that Biden first learned about this when we all learned about it through a media report. I don't believe that for a nanosecond. This oh. does not happen. Even though the DOJ is supposed to be separate from the White House, I, I think you'd have to be a naive person to think that this would have been done without Garland okaying it and the biden administration if not biden himself and his senior people approving this there's no way this happened without their knowledge folks again we're speaking with our legal expert attorney tim Dodd. tim let's i just want to make it local for a moment let's just say someone went to i'm going to just mention a federal a judge like jack mcconnell and they wanted to do this type of raid on again a total hypothetical but like governor mckee's home now, just based on what my experience has been with the local U.S. attorney and a judge like McConnell, my experience has been it would have to be something pretty substantial and it wouldn't be a fishing expedition for a judge like Judge McConnell to sign off on something like that. Uh, you're absolutely right. And to use okay. your hypothetical, Judge McConnell is one of the best judges we have in Rhode Island. He would never do such a thing without some right. real real, real teeth in the affidavit, real yep. meat, and really something that needs an immediate interception of the material before it's destroyed, um, hidden, or something like that. The other thing that would happen is a judge like Judge McConnell or the local U.S. attorney would be very careful about doing such a thing unless time was of the essence and material was going to be destroyed because mm. the DOJ has a policy to not do this type of activity during an election cycle. Right. And, and that's exactly where we are. This could influence not only whether Donald Trump runs for president again, but it could have an impact on all the candidates that he's endorsed. It could impact fundraising across mm. the board this is an interference with yet another election cycle. There was interference yeah. in 2016. There was interference in 2020. And now it looks like they're setting up for more interference directly coming out of the DOJ for the 2022 midterms. It's mm. not right. Yeah. Whether they've got something or not, to do it right now in the middle of primary elections um, is, again, until 2016, 2020, something that really never would happen before that. And now it seems to be the ordinary course. And you've got a largely uninterested media uh, who's not criticizing DOJ for what they've done. Folks, um, we're going to take a 
just a quick break. Much more ahead. Our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. J. Perry Paving. Folks, you can depend on J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair-pricing, exceptional service over 20 years' experience, specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal-coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. They are tremendous. They also, how about this, once a month, they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran. And remember, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, call J. Perry Paving for a free quote. It makes a huge difference in your property, in your home, in your driveway or patio. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. They're terrific. Hey, get that driveway paved. Call and book an appointment now, 401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. We're speaking with our legal expert. It's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, I want to stay with the Trump uh, FBI executed search warrant. He did issue a statement. But what we've known, a couple of things. Number one, it is remarkable it didn't leak. Number two, I've actually had people contact me and, and say, what, you know, and ask you, what would have happened if President Trump was there and said, no, we're not opening the door? Uh, what happens in a situation like that? And number three, uh, there is we are learning a little bit more. There's sometimes things start to leak and then it's quiet. And then we find out that it was accurate. There's definitely talk that maybe somebody was directing them that someone I don't know if we want to use the term flip, but let's face it. There are a lot of people in his orbit who have been facing some some problems and some questions. Apparently, we've learned some investigators were there back in June. And they knew of where kind of the setup was. He even greeted them back in, in June. But um, but just taking a look at that, what what is your response to just at first blush some of those things? I mean, this the Drudge Report calls it the raid of the century. It is the highest levels. It's unprecedented. Uh, what would have happened? Some of those things if he had been home and said, like, you know, let's start off with that. No, you're not coming in. Well, if they to take that hypothetical. Yep. Um, they show up with 30 uh, FBI guys in yep. um, SWAT gear with Agents. machine guns. Yeah. And uh, they op- President Trump <laughs> opens the door and says, hi, guys. No, you're not coming in. I'm looking at your warrants. Sorry, you're not coming in. Well, that's why they got the guys there with the machine guns. They would have burst in. They would have pushed the president aside. Oh, wow. You know, well, given the secret services there they would have said sorry mr president we've got a warrant we're coming in if you stand in our way we're going to push you aside we're coming in so the president would not be in his rights to say you're not coming in many just to many times cops show up without a warrant and they try to con a homeowner a renter you know we think something's going on here would you give us permission to come in and look around a lot of people thinking they want to be good citizens and cooperate, or if they say no, it would suggest some guilt on their part. So they say, no, officers, you can come in. If there's no warrant, you don't have to let them in. You can say, get out of here. If you've got right. a warrant, but come back. So, there was, yeah. Yeah, so here, the president would not have been in a position to say, sorry, you're not coming in. They were okay. coming in. They had a warrant. Tim Dodd, let me ask you this, because there is I want to get to there's some pretty people with some inside. They feel that somehow this could be tied. This could be a connection to January 6th that, you know, there have been some rumblings that there could be some kind of a paper. First of all, I don't know why he has all these documents anyway. He left the office. It's not like he's taking a picture of him on Air Force One. It seems to be a lot of documents that, that they took with them. But anyhow, Something along the lines of um, that maybe there's some communication, paperwork, something that has to do with the events leading up to January 6th. It, would that have to be spelled out in the warrant or could this be one of those things kind of like the Redskin probe then led into other areas and then suddenly John Gruden's out of a job? Is it possible that you use the guise of one thing and then hey, as we were looking for A, it led us to B and C, or is that the type of, and I know we're dealing with a lot of hypotheticals, but it, it could be tossed out because that 
that's not what you were looking for in discovery. Yes, and that's why I use the word a pretext. If okay. this is all a pretext to say we're looking for archive information, and the real purpose is a fishing expedition looking right. for January 6th material, then it would be improper. And, you know, that would lead to lots of agents being deposed, um, put under oath as to what they knew, when they knew it, what they did, why they did it. If this is all a pretext looking for January 6th material, Again, this looks that would be another Hail Mary that the uh, DOJ is throwing up, looking to indict or bring charges against uh, Donald Trump for the January 6th activities. Again, if they did get material that could help prosecute him and bring charges for January 6th, again, they'd take him out of running for the White House. To get to your other point, though, was there a mole at Mar-a-Lago who might have been whispering through back channels to the DOJ or the FBI? Right. That's clearly a possibility. Yeah. And agents have been in there. They've been yes. going through this material. Did they bug the place? I mean, who knows what they've done? Who knows oh. what they've done? And they've played so dirty with Donald Trump over the years. Let's assume that they got a bug in, in his personal residence and they've been listening in to wow. what's going I, I don't, again, we're speculating Understood. like crazy here, yes. but would you put it past the FBI and the DOJ to a bug the place? I wouldn't. Well, yeah. Folks, again, we're speaking with our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, uh, turning to some of the local stories, uh, we have another Providence police officer who's found himself in trouble. Well, actually, before I do that, let me just also cover today in a separate proceeding, civil now. Uh, President Trump, uh, you, he pled the fifth, and apparently they used it over and over and over. That has to do with the New York prosecutor. Um, at the very least, these are he's, he certainly has some, it's kind of like an Ed Sullivan, they'd have the guy spinning the plates. He's, he certainly has some, some juggling, some legal cases here. Um, any surprise in this civil suit or uh, inquiry that he pled the fifth? No, I, he, he would have to plead the fifth okay. because Letitia James, the AG in New York, has an open criminal investigation. They're going after the Trump organization on the allegation that when it suited Trump's purposes, they would overstate the value of real estate to get more money from banks. And when it suited their purposes, they would undervalue real estate for tax purposes. Now, if it was done knowingly and deliberately for those two purposes to a fraudulently get more money out of a bank or fraudulently pay less taxes than should have been paid on a transaction well that could be seen as criminal in nature and remember they've got uh, the former cfo of the trump organization alan wesselberg in the yes. crosshairs we don't know what he's the trump people really don't know what he may be saying how yep. he might be cooperating. You got Michael Cohen out there in the weeds. You don't know what he might be whispering about what went on in the Trump organization. Oh. My understanding is that he's had several meetings with the New York prosecutors, giving them, you know, whatever material he can. So Letitia James has a criminal investigation going in tandem with a civil investigation. So you're right. The president invoked his Fifth Amendment privilege over and over and over again. Well, you have to do that. What happens is if you're being asked questions in a deposition or on the witness stand and you know kind of where things are going, you know, you can give your name, you can give your address, you can give your date of birth. But once it starts to get into the area of inquiry, you have to invoke your Fifth Amendment privilege when those types of questions start. For instance, you can't answer 20 questions, and then when it gets a little hotter on this topic, suddenly say, you know, I think I want to invoke the Fifth. Because at that point, you may have already waived the privilege because the question you're already rolling down the hill with, you know, the... Uh, the weight of the questions that have previously been asked. So traditionally, you invoke the Fifth as soon as any touchy subject area is hit at all, at all. Oh. So now Letitia James gets to say Trump pled the fifth hundreds of times. Well, if they ask hundreds of questions, he's got to invoke the privilege hundreds of times. Right. Tactically, from a legal perspective, the smartest thing he could possibly do. 
from a political perspective, he's going to take the hits that were going to come with that because in certain quarters it's going to say, oh, he's pleading the fifth, he's guilty of a crime, he's hiding right. something. But that, them's the breaks. Let's, let's compare it to that kid, Carmen. It, if he had never testified at his yeah. civil case, That's they right. wouldn't have him. And let's flip it. Let's assume the insurance company, for whatever reason, had sued Carmen saying, you know, we think we paid out wrongfully on that boat. We want our money back. Yep. If Carmen had gotten up on the stand and t in response to every question, pled the fifth, pled the fifth, pled the fifth, he'd be walking the streets. He would not be charged with the crimes he's charged with. That's so right. sometimes when you open your mouth in a civil case, it can backfire. And the words you say in the civil case can really hurt you in a criminal investigation. So mm -hmm. Trump was in a situation he had to plead the fifth. He had no other sure. choice. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane, heating and cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with Propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885-4209 in Massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 home again consignment located governor francis shopping center fine furniture art antiques glassware jewelry buy sell or selling consignment and estate sales are provided. It's Home Again Consignment. Call John 401 463 3310. Again, located right in Warwick in the Governor Francis Shopping Center. Home Again Consignment. We're speaking with our legal expert, it's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, um, going local now in Providence, we had the situation with the officer who was involved with a ruckus at the state house and they did not waste any time and they uh said that they want him terminated and unfortunately now there was some fireworks going off fourth of july and uh a captain went over <clears throat> they were going to tow a guy's car have a little back and forth tempers flare and the next thing you know is he's copying him there is video we don't know the extent of it was done but certainly doesn't look good that he's uh baying the suspect who's in handcuffs head and this is uh, going to be the second officer now, averaging one a month with the Providence Police. They, it's like they've seen enough and they want him fired. Well, the video um, is certainly, it, when you look at it, it doesn't put this officer in a very good light. It looks like a, like a serious overreaction from a physical restraint standpoint. Um, the officer really has little to lose here to continue to contest his termination he is currently i understand he's on iod pay injured on duty so yep. he's not working but he's getting paid so why would you say sure terminate me why not right. challenge this at every tur turn you're continuing to get paid you know he's going to have a, a, off a police officer bill of rights hearing that takes time so while that's grinding its way through the system and he's out injured he's still getting paid um, eventually, um, that hearing will have a result. Eventually, he's also been charged criminally, I believe. That's going to ultimately go to trial. So he could grind this thing on for quite some time, and every week he could be getting a paycheck. Wow. And it, looking at that video, just like the um, in the George Floyd case, it looked horrific. But right the defendants were able to bring in experts to say this was appropriate um, restraint techniques and it was a battle of experts. The Floyd side of the case, the prosecutor saying this was right. improper, we've got experts. The defense saying, no, this was appropriate, we've got experts. You'll probably find the same thing happening here 
and you'll have competent experts, well-qualified, lots of, you know, long resumes saying completely opposite things about this cop's conduct. So he may as well take a shot and try the case. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll win. Maybe he'll get a hung jury. But he has nothing to lose to keep pushing the envelope here and keep trying to fight back and not simply say, sure, I'll resign. Unless he got some sort of financial package on the way out the door in exchange for his agreement to um, either resign or be terminated. But I don't that think it, that's going to happen. It really shows the power of, as they call it, labor, where even if they want to fight, fire him, they can't fire him. Nope, can't do it. No. And and it just um, continues that way. And, uh, and then who knows, in, in the end, he may, again, I'm going to expect, but he may qualify for then his pension and say, oh, okay, and now you've, you've, he've, he's had enough. Um, Tim Dodd, also, this is interesting that in something we don't really see that often, but you have with people have to go out and gain signatures for people to get on the ballot. And it can be challenging. And there are people that sometimes don't qualify the ballot because they don't get signatures. I just don't remember the last time. I don't remember that apparently these two people, there's a young guy and he wants to run for governor. He's running for governor. And I guess maybe he had some friends helping him. And in Jamestown, they, they were accused of uh, forging signatures. Yes. Two young people are charged with forging signatures on nomination papers for this young man who wants to run for governor, as an ind- I think, as an independent. Yeah. Um, I think he needs a thousand signatures to get on the ballot. These kids were helping him. And the allegation is that they were forging signatures of other people to get his you know, signature count up over a thousand. Now, someone either looked at signatures and said, hey, wait a minute, that's not my signature. And, you know, someone must have gone to this guy's campaign and either people start pointing fingers or somebody put up their hand and say, yes, I did it. It's a misdemeanor. Um, with, you know, in the, in the panoply of criminal, you know, charges, misdemeanor is not a big, big deal. Right. Uh, if these kids have no prior criminal record, you know, they could probably get out of it with a filing, do something that will result in no criminal record. Um, it's probably something that should be investigated more often. Um, we don't really know how the cops uh, or the investigators got onto this particular candidate's um, nomination papers and who fingered these two as being the responsible parties. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I th- I'm sure that will all come out eventually because someone pointed the finger at them or somebody else got jammed up and said, I'll give you these guys. Um, it's not the norm that this would happen. So we don't really yet know how the cards fell that these two got charged to the exclusion of anybody else. Folks, so we with our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, um, this, this other story, Gabby Petito, um, you know, caught the country kind of by storm, going off on the trip. Then she disappeared. The brother, the, the, excuse me, the boyfriend, Brian Landry. And I, I think, I mean, you walked through, but going after the police and this lawsuit lodged against him, I, this seems to be something the police run into quite a bit where they are really to me almost put in a no-win situation damned if they do damned if they don't in this situation it seems like gabby petito's family is going after the police saying that when they were called somehow they should have intervened more than they didn't um i i i want to hear your thoughts on this whole thing well i think you used the correct um you know analogies the cops are damned if they do they're damned if they don't um you know, when a plaintiff brings a lawsuit, the plaintiff must prove the case. It can't be speculative. It can't be guesswork. You've got to prove it in order to get damages. And it seems to me, as tragic as the Gabby Pepito situation was, that it's speculative to say if the cops had interceded on that particular day when she was in the passenger seat crying, saying that they had had a, she and the boyfriend had had an argument, that if somehow the cops had pulled her out of the car and separated them or done something more proactive, that she'd still be alive. It's all speculative. 
let's assume they had done that. And then the next day she goes back with him and they continue on their road trip and they have another fight. And unfortunately he kills her. Um, there's no way to prove that, but for the failure of that police department and that one incident that should still be alive. Um, will they look to settle? Sure. They're always looking to settle, but could they prove this case if it was put in front of a jury? Um, you know, sadly for her family, I don't think they would prove the case because it's just too speculative. Yeah. And again, uh, Tim Dodd, I mean, the, the elements of domestic violence have come a long way where even now it's automatic if they call because many times people change their mind. But I, I think that is um, a, a tough one to, to put on the police. Folks, again, yeah. we're speaking with our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, what about finally... Boy, this uh, this woman that initially was a decorated veteran, given going around making speeches and the uh, the business of the stolen valor. It's people need to understand. We don't see these. To me, we don't see a lot of these cases, but when they come down, it's it's very serious. The charges they face. Well, she did many horrible, detestable things. Um, she claimed to have been a um, veteran injured during her tour in Afghanistan. She was never in the military. Um, she never earned the medals that she claimed to have earned. She used a friend of her, one of her friends has a mom who was treating for, um, I think, lung cancer. And this woman co-opted the friend's mother's medical records and pawned them off on people as being her medical records um, and raised, I think, well in excess of $250,000 um, based upon the sympathy she um, gained from being allegedly a veteran, allegedly injured in, in battle, and allegedly um, suffering from lung, lung cancer because she was, I guess, in Iraq or Afghanistan, they would burn things in a pit, which would produce smoke, which would be inhaled, which allegedly is a carcinogen. And she was claiming that's how she got lung cancer. All of it was phony. So all of it was obtaining money under false pretenses. It was fraud. Um, it was abusing, you know, making false statements regarding military service. So... She, she was looking at a potential of 24 years in prison. Um, there's, a, I guess, a plea bargain where she's going to be sentenced in the future at the low end of the spectrum. Uh, she's going to get sentenced on the wire fraud, and that's going to be consecutive to whatever time she catches, which I believe is a mandatory two years for identity theft, for pawning herself off as a veteran, for pawning off somebody else's medical records as her own. So she's going to get two years plus whatever she catches for the wire fraud, for obtaining the money fraudulently. So, you know, she'll probably see five or six years in jail in the aggregate, potentially more, because what she did is offensive on so many levels to so many people for so many reasons. Um, I think the system has to make an example of her. So two plus four years, two plus five years, I see that would be easy for um, the judge to sentence her in that range. Tim Dodd, finally, uh, the Boston Globe has this big story, you know, white supremacy on the march and so forth. If I didn't know any better, I, I'm telling you, it's almost as if they want to rewrite the laws. And, and it's, you know, you've talked about so many times the ACLU defended when the Nazis were in uh, Skokie, Illinois, because this uh, group Patriot Front went into Boston and then they use an examples that, you know, somebody put a bumper sticker on a telephone pole in Providence. Um, there seems to be a lot of frustration and no one likes that these groups are out here. By the way, there's a number of different groups that have, you know, somewhat uh, uncomfortable uh, points of view and so forth. But anyhow, um, but you, you tell me, I, I almost feel there are some people like, hey, we have to do something about this. If these groups are allowed to operate within the first amendment maybe we need to change the first amendment well it's clearly you, you hit the nail on the head john it is you know these are published reports in the boston globe to um look the, these groups these white supremacist groups 
you know, I don't, I don't think certainly you or I are not going to defend their point of view. It's, it's despicable. It's loathsome. But the First Amendment, if you really want to live with the First Amendment, right. requires you to put up with speech of others which you find detestable. And that's the essence of the difficulty of the First Amendment. If we want it, my speech has to be free, and that person over there's speech, which I detest, has to be free as well. Around the country, you know, you see legislation put in regarding quote-unquote hate speech. That's an attempt to limit, you know, your First Amendment rights. We have talked about the Skokie thing over and over. Uh, your your listeners will know that that's when the Nazis wanted to march, I don't know, 30 years ago, down the streets of Skokie, Illinois, which had the highest concentration, I believe, of Jewish Holocaust yes. survivors in the country. And the ACLU said, as deplorable as what they want to do is, they've got a First Amendment right to do it. Now, these groups in, in and around Boston... Um, can't be really limited if they want to march around talking about white supremacy where they can get in trouble is if they foment um, violence and if they're encouraging violence that's where criminal um, um, charges can result so you have free speech under the first amendment you can talk about white supremacy or you can talk about other supremacy of different groups and organizations but when you couple that with wanting to exact violence against the people that you are opposed to um, again that's where speech isn't free you can say these things but then you could be subjected to criminal charges or if you're alex jones you can say whatever you want but you could be subjected to civil damages and heavy punitive damages You've got the right to say it, but what you say has consequences. But if a group wants to mark down the street saying white supremacy, First Amendment says you can't really limit that, as detestable it is it is. And if groups start getting legislators to limit free speech because these groups are saying things that they don't like, we are in serious trouble. So hopefully it doesn't come to that. Folks, he is our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, excellent job as always. We'll see where this uh, Trump story goes. We'll talk to you again. Yes, take care, John. The Senadale Revival. Stop it and see them. Comfort food and cocktails. You're going to love the Senadale Revival. Located 2025 Smith Street, North Providence, right in Senadale, right across from North Providence Town Hall. Delicious food, delicious drinks, live entertainment on the weekends. Shane and his crew, they're waiting for you. A great time is going to be had by all at the Senadale Revival, 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast, is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn.